Well, good morning again and welcome home today and happy Mother's Day. If you are a mom, would you just stand really quickly? If you're a mom and hold your applause for just a second. These are all of our moms. We just want you to know that we appreciate you and we honor you and we thank you for giving life and love to your children. Let's give them a hand. Thank you so much. Moms, you have a huge role in the life of families and, and in our communities and even in our world. You shape and nurture um, our kids today and our future tomorrow. Tomorrow, And we've been in this series talking about habits and thinking about our moms and how the different habits that they give us and how they help us. And we're wrapping up our series on habits and we've been asking the question, where are your habits leading you. We've been talking a lot about how God wants to give us his habits uh, and we can kind of move away from our habits because sometimes our habits aren't always the best habits. And we've been saying that a habit is something that we do um, without even thinking about it. It's something that we do regularly without even thinking. We said really there's two ways that habits happen. One is naturally like some of us, maybe a lot of us, have the habit of getting on our phones um, and as a result of that, it's not something that we did intentionally. It's something that happened naturally. And there's other habits that happen that don't happen natural. They happen intentionally. Like you learn to brush your teeth because someone intentionally taught you the habit of brushing your teeth. So you naturally have a habit of brushing your teeth because someone intentionally developed that in you. But we've been saying that whether you have natural habits or intentional habits... That the habits that you have today become the legacy that you leave tomorrow. The habits that you and I have today, if you're new today, you haven't been a part of this series or maybe you haven't been able to be here. The habits that you have today become the legacy that you leave tomorrow. So we spent the last few weeks examining our habits and I would encourage all of us, myself included, to continue to examine your habits. Hopefully you examine your children's grades, not just once a year, but you're, you're, you're examining them. Hopefully you're examining different things in your life, not just every once in a while, but on a daily basis. This time of year you have to mow your grass. You have to do it weekly, sometimes twice a week, because things can get out of control and our lives can be a lot like that. So today, with it being Mother's Day and kind of a family type of situation, I want to talk to you today about developing the habit of helping. Can you say that with me? The habit of... How do we develop the habit of helping? How do we support the supporters? And specifically today, how do we help our moms this morning? So we're going to talk today about how we can help our moms. Can I get an amen? Amen, amen. And not just our moms, but how can we help each other? Some of us have seen the Jerry Maguire movie. Help me help you. Help me help you. And Paul is talking about ways that we can help each other become what he calls us and wants us to be. And so this morning, if you have your Bibles and you want to go to Ephesians chapter 5, that's where we're going to be at, or, or you can get grab it on your phone. But our verse today is verse 21, but prior to that, in the beginning of chapter 5, 
Paul is kind of setting the table for what he's getting ready to say, and then I'm going to read to you. And he basically explains to these, the church in Ephesus that in order for you to do the thing that I'm getting ready to tell you, you've got to do this first. It's like if you're in college, sometimes before you can take that class, there's a prerequisite class that you have to take before you can take that one. And Paul is saying, if you want to have a healthy family, if you want to have healthy relationships, the prerequisite to that is having a healthy relationship with God. That's what Paul was telling Ephesus. And so the first part of Ephesus in chapter 5, he's explaining to them that you've got to put God first. You have to live how he wants you to live. And when you live how he's called you to live, when he's in your heart... There's some things that will help your family. And here's what he says. And this is the whole message today around this one little scripture. Let's read it together. Submit to out of reverence. Let's read that one more time. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Basically, Paul is telling Ephesus, and and God is reminding us today, that the best way to have healthy relationships is mutual submission. There's a few things that stand out in this passage of Scripture. And the first one is kind of this dirty word that none of us like in our culture. And it's this word submit. Can we say that together? Submit. In fact, I would just about bet money. If I bet, I don't bet, but if I did, I would bet that when I say that word, it evokes tension for somebody. Maybe because someone abused that word with you. Maybe because you just don't like the idea of that. And the reality is none of us really like that word because that word is is not just about submit. It's about surrender. It's about serving. Uh, Just yesterday, don't tell Noah I said this, but he got out of the truck and And, you know, my son Noah and my daughter Grace, they love each other. But they get on each other's nerves. And sometimes I have to tell Noah, you know, you have to open the door for her, not slam the door on her. (laughs) Maybe that's a message. Open the door for her, not slam the door on her. Noah doesn't want to submit to being nice to her sometimes because she's frustrating to him. And yet a part of, this is the sermon he doesn't like to hear, and a lot of us don't like to hear. I was the same way when I was a kid. A lot of us don't like the word submit, not just to our husband, not just to our wife, not just to our parents, not just to our boss, not just to a speed limit sign. There's something inside of us that without God, we don't want to surrender. That's called our sinful nature. Take a two-year-old, pull the toy away from them. They won't say, you can have it. They're going to say, mine. We're all bent that way. It doesn't make us freaks. It makes us human beings. And so when Paul says this, I say that to set the table for this. When Paul says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, 
the reason that he spent the first half of chapter 5 explaining that they need to give their life to Christ is because if there was no context about God producing that in us, there's no way any of us in our own nature want to do what's on the screen. It is not my nature to want to say, I'm sorry. It is not my nature to want to lean into my family. My nature is to lean out from my family. So what Paul is saying, now check this out. If if you're falling asleep on anything else, this part's actually good. Ideally, right, ideal and what's real, the ideal that God has for families is that as everyone is submitted to God, they would lean in. Mom leans in. Dad leans in. Kids lean in. Or if you're a single parent, you lean in. And God, along with you, leans in. And your kids lean in. Or if you're at work, love your neighbor as yourself, your boss should lean in. And you lean in. And your coworker. That's what creates harmony. That's what creates relationship. That's not something Zig Ziglar said. That comes from the Bible. God created relationships to work when we submit to each other. It's almost like a teeter-totter that I had Jim Berger build for me. Usually in every family, there's at least one that doesn't like to say they're sorry. Don't look at them. I saw you already looking at people. Don't do it. Okay? I don't want to know who they are. They all end up praying for them. All right? I'm just teasing. I will. But the high side of this teeter-totter is pride, and I don't want to say I'm sorry. I'm not going to make, I'm not going to, I don't care what I said. I don't care how big of an idiot I made myself. I am not saying I'm sorry. Some of you know someone like that, and some of you are that person, and you don't think you are, but everybody else knows it. And if you don't know who you are, come to me, and I'll tell you. No, I'm just teasing. And then what's really bad is when neither one wants to say they're sorry. So even if wife or husband or brother or sister or co-worker is willing to surrender to God and do the right thing and that makes them and their relationship with God good, that doesn't fix, fix the fact that Goofy over here doesn't want to say they're sorry. God's balance is everyone submitting to each other. But when dad won't do it, When child won't do it, when mom won't do it, while everything is good in our relationship with God on this side, the ones who are doing what they're supposed to, and this person over here has got to answer between them and God, it it still has a consequence of throwing everything off balance. Have you ever tried to make things right with someone who won't let you make it right? Oh, yeah. And no matter how much you want to fix it, you can't. Because it takes two people. That's why Paul was spending the first half of Ephesians 5 and even in 4, chapter 4, explaining. Now, remember, you're going to think that you do this on your own, and so you're going to say, forget it. But if you live as children of the light, be imitators of Christ, he starts with, This is possible. So he talks about, he uses these words, submit, which means to serve or surrender to one another, which which 
implies a couple of things. One, we can't do life by ourselves. We have to deal with other people, even if you don't like people. I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes people frustrate me. Sometimes I feel like sometimes people can be stupid. Raise your hand if you've ever thought somebody can be stupid. All right? Don't point to them. All right? People can just be stupid sometimes. Say that with me. People can just be that sometimes is right. And yet God calls us, God died for that person that we think is being stupid. And God died for us when other people think we're being stupid. We're called to be in relationship with one another. And here's the last part. Not because they deserve it. But out of reverence for who? Have you ever said this to your kids? Would you just get along with them? Would you do it for me? Would you just do it for me? Would you stop yelling at your sister so your mom stops getting upset? Just do it for your mom. Do it for me. Okay, I'm starting to talk about my own life here. (laughs) You know you've done the same. Paul is saying, if you don't want to make things right, with whoever hurts you or whoever you feel like is not worth making it right with. At a minimum, you should do it out of reverence for me. Forgive as Christ forgave you. Forgive. Forgive. Because Christ lowered himself, humbled himself, Philippians 2, humbled himself and made himself obedient to death. Forgive as Christ forgave you. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So how do we help moms? How do we help dads? How do we help families? How do we help relationships? Jesus is calling us to a habit of helping A habit of mutual submission. So here's today's big point. Let's read it. God's intention is always mutual. Now you read that, but your heart wasn't in it. Okay, even if your heart's not in it, just fake it. All right, let's try it again. God's intention is always mutual. Boy, I heard your heart there. Here's what that means. What can I do? How can I leverage my resources? How can I leverage who I am? What can I do to help? What can I do Husbands, do you ask your wife this question? I'm a husband, so I can speak for the rest of us. You, know, you want to know why sometimes I don't want to ask that question? Because she'll give me an answer. But the question, check this out. I'm being honest. I'm being as real as I know how to be because I know we're, we're all. The question makes us lean in. And men, our nature is to lean out.
I said our nature is to lean out. The spirit nature. Check this out. This is good, man. The spirit nature says you are crucified with Christ. You no longer live. You no longer get to lean out because you want to. Submit to one another. That means as the spirit nature is in you, he gives you the heart to lean in. That was worth coming for. Now, some of you have husbands and dads and men in your life that have modeled this well. So this is like, duh. My daddy always asked my mom and asked me, what can I do to help? But a lot of us, that's not the case. But imagine, just for a second, what would happen in families if dads and husbands would ask the question, what can I do to help? In your situation, imagine what would happen if your husband, I'm not saying he is, imagine what would happen if you got the question, What can I do to help? Now, I realize some of us don't come from a perfect family. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Okay, so those of you who maybe this isn't even possible for you, don't check out because we're going to get to you too. Here's what Paul says. Here's how husbands can help. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. How can I help? Men, how can we help? Love your wives, okay, as Christ loved the church. How did he love the church? He lowered himself. He leaned in. He didn't lean out. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Good Friday is how Christ loved the church. He laid down his life. Unrelated to whether you agree with what I'm saying, we... You probably believe, or at least you've heard before if you don't believe, Christ laid his life down. He loved selflessly. Foundation block number one. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Now I want to talk to husbands for a minute. I'm going to do this with each group. It's easy To love your wife. It's easier to love your wife if she's loving you back. And she's treating you with what we're getting ready to talk about next. But even if she isn't, out of reverence for Christ, you are to love your wife as Christ loved the church, whether she's doing her part or not. Your role is left field or center field or right field. You can't say, I'm not playing if she's not playing. And that's what we do. If you don't believe that exists, read Hosea, the book of Hosea. God calls Hosea to marry a prostitute. He's called to love someone who doesn't respect him. It's almost like in relationships, it's a game of chicken. I'll do what I'm supposed to, or at least sometimes, if you will. Then you're doing it out of 
their actions instead of out of reverence for Christ. Husbands, love your wife. How? As Christ... Boy, let's try that again. As Christ... Okay, our wives were getting a little little nervous there. We weren't wanting to say that, okay? Now, let's racket the tension up here, okay? This is something in our culture today that's awkward because in the past people abused this. And it's tempting for me to just want to leave it out because, you know, it's a lot easier and you guys wouldn't get upset. But here's what it says also at the same time. Okay, we're going to talk about this. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands. This is the part I really wanted to leave out. But the Bible says it. Let's read it and we can be mad if we want. You ready? In, okay. Now before anybody gets up and walks out, here's what Paul is saying here. As the husband, as the husband loves the wife, as Christ loves the church. It becomes easier if the wife is also submitted to the Lord to respect and surrender to her husband when he is laying his life down for her. Many of us saw that in the NFL that there were certain players that were kneeling during the national anthem and it created, regardless of how you feel about that, it created quite a stir because many people couldn't understand why someone would disrespect the sacrifice, and I rightly so, I believe, that, that people gave up, that fought for our freedom. That someone would disrespect what people have sacrificed for. You know, it's hard to disrespect when someone lays their life down for us, isn't it? Husbands, as your, as your wives, as your husband lays his life down for you, it's easier for you to respect and honor your husband. And I would just say this, in the same way that I said to husbands, wives, out of reverence for Christ, even if your husband doesn't deserve to be respected, this is tough truth. This is not a popular thing anymore. A lot of churches are getting away from even talking about this because of the fact that you guys might not come back because you don't like to hear this. But we have to speak the truth. Husbands, as you love your wives, wives, you are called to respect your husbands even if they don't deserve it out of reverence for Christ. Now, that there's, there's obviously common sense that comes into play. But a part of what Paul is is calling us to as families, is to love and respect. To love and respect. But, he, but not only does he talk about wives and husbands helping in the family, he also talks about, par- about children and about parents. And Paul says to kids, and most of our kids are in, in the children's church, but if you're in here today... Obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right 
thing to do. Let's read it. Obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. True story. One of my children wasn't being very respectful to their mom. I said, you got a belly button? What in the world? He's throwing me a curveball. I thought he was going to scream at me. I said, do you have a belly button? Yeah. Did you know who, who, who you were attached to? Yeah. Who? Mom. Who? Mom. Who? Mom. That's right, buddy. She gave you life. And you're going to respect her and honor her and obey her. She brought you into this world. It's my job to take you out. (laughs) Are you picking up what I'm laying down? So here's in a nutshell. How we find this balance that God is talking about. Husbands love wives how? Husbands love wives. Wives respect husbands. Children obey parents. And then there's this little add-on that that Paul gives. And he's talking to fathers, but it really applies to parents altogether. He says, fathers, don't exasperate your children. But we could obviously, it's not, God's not going to care if mothers don't exasperate their children either. So here's what that basically means. Parents, read it. Don't. God has entrusted you with kids. They definitely need truth and they definitely need grace. You see parents who are spoiled brats, they're not given any truth. And we see kids in foster care that were given no grace. We are accountable as parents not to abuse the authority either way. Did you know when you never discipline your kid, you're abusing them? I never thought of that. It's the truth. You're handicapping them. And, and their boss will thank you for not teaching them authority. And their spouse will thank you. And when you give them truth and you never pat them on the back and the A- minus isn't good enough. And I'm just speaking for your kids today. I realize this creates attention, but I've got all these children in my mind as I'm telling you this. So I'm kind of okay with however you feel about it. They don't have a voice. They don't have a say. They don't get to decide... And you and I will be held accountable if we're mean to our kids. And if you're being mean to your child, you need to stop it. It's the truth. Amen. Well, you know, my kid just frustrates me. Well, then you need to go to the quiet place with God that was before the verse that we were talking about where Paul's talking about live as children in the light, be imitators of Christ. You need to spend more time with God because your, your nature may not have any patience, but the spirit nature, one of the fruits of the spirit is what? Patience. And if you don't have enough time, if you're not spending any time with God, look no further. Spend more time with God. But don't be mean to your kids. What can I do to help? Husbands, love selflessly wives respect intentionally children obey faithfully parents don't abuse your authority then i want to talk about this last group 
today, okay? I come from uh, a divorced family. The nice thing in my family is, is everybody's in a good relationship with now, and, and our, all of our family dynamics are, are healthy. They're altered, but they're healthy. But there's some of us here today that you don't have a husband. And so no matter what you do over here, there's no one on the other side to help you. Or there's a bunch of different scenarios that, that I can't even be, it take too much time to list that you would say on paper makes it absolutely impossible to ever have God's ideal family. And by the way, what is God's ideal family, right? But here's what I want to share with you. This is mom or dad, single mom or dad, or foster kid. Some type of what the world would call not ideal. And I'm one of those. My family was not ideal. So I can say that. But we can pray in such a way that even though the math says this isn't going to be balanced... We can pray and we can ask God and we can seek God's heart and we can, we can say, Lord, would you just protect my kids? God, would you just do a work? Father, would you make up for the balance that there's not, that there, you know, there's not balance there? God, would you make up for what, you know where I'm going? And God, in His Spirit, in His presence, in His power, can balance what on paper should not be balanced. That's the God that we serve. Both my parents, they're not married to each other anymore and they get along really good. Everybody's great. We went through some painful stuff. But I'm a pastor. My brother's a pastor. My other brother is serving the Lord and the coach and athletic director, my sister serving the Lord, because my mom and my dad were praying that even though there were some situations that happened, that there would still be this. And I want to tell you today, no matter how ugly or how tough your family dynamic is, God makes up the difference. God can make up the difference. And the way I look at it is I get more Christmases than everybody else. (laughs) So this morning as we close this out, the habits that you have today, moms and dads and families, the habits that you have today, whether we like that or not, if you have good habits, you love this statement. But if you're like me at times in my life, I didn't like that statement because the habits I have today, I didn't want to be my legacy tomorrow, but it's still true. If you're looking at stuff on the computer you shouldn't, that habit is going to become a legacy. I don't even know how it will. I promise you it will. If you're using drugs, it will become a legacy. If you're loving your kids, if you're lying, if you're cheating, if you're serving, if you're helping, if you're praying, if you're not, your habits today will become your legacy tomorrow. How do we have 
the habit of helping our habits become a good legacy. And that's what I want to leave you with today. It's extremely practical. I don't know how many the first service took, but there in front of you, in your pockets, is something called a soul care plan. Okay? If, you're, if you haven't been here in the last week or two, you have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm going to explain it to you. Grab one of these cards if you want. If, if there's not any there, I'm glad. That means people grabbed them for the first service, and we'll put some more in the third. We also have them at the information center. Okay? Here's what this is. If you already have a time with God every day, then you don't need this card. You can just leave it for somebody else to grab. But if you don't have an intentional time with God, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I have to schedule, I'm going to have to start scheduling date night with Whitney. When we were first married, we didn't have a bunch of extra things going on. We didn't have kids. We had to taxi back and forth everywhere. I had time to just think of stuff to do. I don't have any time anymore, neither does she, and a lot of us don't either. So she doesn't always see it, but I'm just going to start putting in there time with wit. Because if I don't, it doesn't happen. And our relationship with God is the same way. If you don't have intentional time on your calendar with God, the only time that you're going to give God is when you happen to have some and probably then you're going to be tired or have something else that needs to be done and you're going to set it aside. So you have to do what's intentional, not what's natural. Last thing. We talked about this side and this side, but we didn't talk about the fulcrum point. The two sides are dependent on the middle. Without the middle, they can't balance. God is what makes the balance. If you don't have God, if you are not tending to your soul, this is absolutely not possible on a daily basis. There are times that the only reason I bite my lip is because I put the time in with God in the morning. And sometimes even when I put the time in, I end up having to ask forgiveness because I said what I shouldn't. But it is impossible for my nature to balance this. It has to be his nature. And the way that I get his nature in me is time with him. So real quick, this is kind of practical. This isn't meant to entertain you. This is to give us some resources. Tomorrow is Monday. I'm going to challenge you. We're not going to ask you. You're not giving this card to us. You're taking it home. It's an opportunity for you if you haven't thought of it before. If you already have a time with God, that's great. What date will you start your soul care plan with God? What time every day will, will you make work? If you want to fill it out now, great. If you fill it out now and you know you haven't had time to think through of it, then just wait. But you need to think what date are you going to start it? Then what time will work? I'm just telling you the truth. It has to be early morning for me or it will not be consistent. I have too many variables in my day. That might not be your day, but my day. If I don't do it in the morning early, it's probably not going to get done. That's just my schedule. So I have to do it in the morning. Then I, I, I encourage you to pick a location. It has to be quiet. Unless you want to, you know, you can make it noisy with music and stuff. But it needs to be a quiet place. It needs to be comfortable for you. And it needs to be repeatable. In other words, I can't pick the wilderness park in Frontenac because it's not repeatable for me every day. Does that make sense? And then, not only do I need to go on a date with Whitney, what are we going to do on that date? So what are you going to do in your meeting with God? 
couple of things that I would encourage you as being staples, non-negotiables. Time where you talk to God and listen to God and time where you read his word. God's word is a lamp into a feet, to our feet and a light into our path. It helps us not sin against God. That's in Psalms. And lastly, this is just, I heard this came to my mind. If you don't even know where to start, read the book of John. And whatever day it is, read a proverb from that day. My sister's pastor does that. So if it's May 10th, read Proverbs 10. If it's May 11th, read Proverbs 11. Kind of matches up with what's going on in a month. And remember, protect your time with God. My time with God's going to have to change because school's letting out and I'm not driving a bus this summer. So I'm going to have to protect it by changing it. Keep meeting with God no matter how you feel. That's another one on here. And let me tell you this. There are days where you're going to mess up and you're going to feel not worthy to meet with God. Meet anyway. There's going to be days where someone else messed up and you're angry and you don't want to meet with God. Meet anyway. There's going to be days you're so tired that you would just rather skip it. Meet anyway. Don't base your time with God on how you feel. And lastly, because this is going to happen sometimes. If you miss your appointment with God, show up for the next one. How do we develop the habit of helping? How do we develop the habit of having a legacy that we like? Soul care. Let's stand together this morning. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So dads, husbands, men, start asking your family, lean in. What can I do to help? Moms, wives, start asking your family, what can I do to help? Kids, start asking your family, what can I do to help? Single parents, single families, broken families, dysfunctional situations that you would say this is dysfunctional. Understand that God wants to help and tell him how he can help and realize that he will help. We thank you today for who you are. We thank you for being here. Lord Jesus, we give you praise for who you are. Lord, we pray that we would bless Roberto's socks off, Father, today. But we also pray that you touch him physically today. We love you. Thank you, Father, that you can give us habits today that will be the legacy you have for us tomorrow. In Jesus' name. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Happy Mother's Day.